The mission of the American church today, first, are we growing or are we shrinking? Is the professional church environment changing your perspective on your faith? And individually, do we really love each other as Christians? We're gonna answer those questions today. Let's get focused. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Focus 323. I'm so thankful to have some great men in the studio with me. Mike Falkenstein, the president and founder of 18 Catalyst, author, missionary. Jason Vaz, the owner of Sweet Shot. Really thankful to have you in. Today we're going to talk about kind of the, the church at large, right? And the there's some nuances involved in the growth and maybe maybe even the division that I'm seeing more and more of in the church at large, um, especially here in America. Um, a lot of that clearly revolves around politics, but still the church before politics seems to be changing and morphing and people that I know in the church are changing and there's turmoil seemingly everywhere. And, um, you know, Jason, you and I were on the phone not long ago and you had said to me that, uh, that you felt like you're, Kind of your views were changing a little bit. Like, what's, what's your story and why has it changed? The, um, well, thanks for having me on the show. Thank you. <laughs> it's a, I appreciate the opportunity just to be able to um, kind of share a journey, you know, that I think um, a lot of believers in Jesus are, are on. Mm. And that journey, I think, uh, is um, one of an evolution of faith and one that uh, can be uncomfortable when you really start to evaluate where you're at, you know, as a believer and what do you subscribe to? What have you subscribed to in the past? And then when you look at your current condition or where you're at faith-wise, where are you at currently? Nothing has changed for me in regards to the desire for people to know Jesus. Yeah. The, the steadfast belief that Jesus is the only way to having a you know, uh, the forgiveness of sins and, and a relationship with God that's thriving and that's growing. Um, and that salvation is only found in him, right? Through his uh, death and resurrection. And so those things have never changed for me. The things that have changed is I think the way that I view how the church at large, and I mean, when I say the church, I, I'm, you know, there's two different types of church when you hear church, right? right. You hear the church um, in a generic term, uh, which can be kind of broken down into people who just kind of show up. Yeah. Uh, maybe they're not redeemed. Maybe they're not, um, there's no salvation there, but they're part of this collective mm. of people. Um, and then you have the actual capital C church of redeemed people. Uh, where do I see the church of redeemed people today? Um, I, go, I always go back to the Barna studies mm -hmm. and the Barna studies that say, hey, you know, 80% um, of professing Christians don't even know how to articulate the gospel. Right. And I would, I would, in lack of better words, argue that the church is probably a whole lot smaller than we actually think it is. Mm -hmm. And so where is the status of the church? Um, it kind of depends on what, what you mean by that. But then I would say, and I would, I would look at a, the question 
you know, how does um, the church address uh, issues that have not been addressed, whether it's race issues or um, gender issues or issues that are cultural issues that are hot fire issues. Yeah. How is the church um, actually meeting those issues instead of presenting all of the uh, reasons why what this particular um, life choice or life situation, how that's just completely you know, wrong. Right. Um, so yeah, my viewpoints have morphed on things. I think I've grown to be a lot more um, patient, understanding, and tolerant in as much as dialogue goes. Yeah. But not tolerant of how are you to have a relationship with God through repenting of your or of your unbelief in Jesus, mm. and how does that work with sanctification? How does that work with growth as an individual? Mm. And those are the things that I think um, the church, the capital C church, meaning the, you know those who are the redeemed, yeah. struggle with, is. How do we reach out to people who are in that process of sanctification and where is their patience with them? Hmm. So let me move that over to you, Mike. Okay. I think, you know, hearing what Jason's saying is, gosh, it's right in line with the things that you and I have talked about a million times that the, you know, churches today um, are avoiding a lot of things in order to just make sure they have attendance. Jason, I when I heard your story initially and Ken was telling me, I thought, you know, this actually relates to me too because probably four or five years ago, I kept uh, being in part a part of churches that, like I would read in the Bible, okay, the church should be doing this, this, and this, but then I actually saw, you know, what, what they were actually doing. And it was much more about, Ken, what you said about just, what do we need to do to, to attract people? Um, and okay, we, we actually, that is one of the purposes of the church is to bring people to Christ, yeah. right? So you don't want to be offensive to people. But on the other hand, I think, you know, certainly there's, you know, there is a higher standard. And so fortunately, God brought me to a place where I found some churches, uh, a group of churches in Dallas in particular that were, not only were they very faithful to scripture, but they were also compassionate and, you know, did things. I mean, just, it really restored sort of my faith in the church that yeah. there are actually churches that are really doing this well. Yeah. And so, um, uh, so yeah, so I'm glad to have found those, those churches that kind of go, you know, there is a way you can do this. And it really does start with studying the Bible, what does it really say mm -hmm. we ought to be doing and then doing it? Yeah. And I think God really honors those churches. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I, you know, I'm always, I think we, we all would love to find the perfect church, right? The, the perfect place where they do everything biblically and compassionately. Right. So I'm like in my head, it's a place where feeding the poor and ministering to the oppressed is the primary function apart from, number one, sharing the gospel, right? Like share the gospel, feed the poor, take care of the oppressed, um, serve the underserved and teach people how to do that. Go out in the world and, and teach people to do those things, share the gospel and then take care of the people who need care. I just feel like 
and, and this is when we originally talked, this is what I thought. I feel like somewhere, the big C, like we're losing servants. Like we're losing people. And I don't know that a lot of it isn't because of the culture that we're in, with, especially in America, right? Like the, the culture of rampant, vile discussion that is, uh, you know, one side oppressing the other, one side tearing down the other. But somewhere we're overshadowing the mission of a Christian to share Christ in all that. Yeah, and I, well, what I personally think, and this is so interesting that I'm glad we're having this discussion. To me, when it comes to missions or when it comes to ministry, I, I mean, Paul in Mars Hill, you know, he's meeting people where they're at. And if I'm going to get on social media and I'm going to call out um, hypocrisy that I see in, in the church, you know, I, all, I know who the audience is. And my audience or the audience that I see as social media doesn't, doesn't um, restrict to just Christians. I know that there's other people in my spheres mm-hmm. um, on social media that are not believers. And they want to see, well, how are other Christians going to you know, respond to this? Or how are they going to react to this? Or what are their thoughts on this? Why aren't they calling out injustices? Why aren't they saying these things that you would think that the church would say? Mm-hmm. And, and I think for the church at large, um, I think we've dropped the ball in this age of engagement with the culture on social media in a lot of ways that you're not going to, people aren't going to church um, or they're dropping out of the church because of social issues that I think that are not directly addressed. What turned my heart around is in regards to the, the actual purpose of my life as a redeemed believer in Jesus is to kind of not put up with the nonsense of corporate or professional Christianity. Mm. I, I'm not interested in um, supporting ministries that have 85% of their tithes and offerings going to salaries and facilities. Mm. That's not, to me, you know, when you have a, a food pantry that is, you know, a, a, an eight foot by four foot uh, closet. closet yeah. And I mean, I, I don't know. It's just, I, I just kind of have... I don't want to be overly critical of missions because, you know, every mission has a different or every church has a different mission. But I still think that the more and more I see um, the relationships that I have and people that have called out um, uh, what they see as hypocrisy. For me, it's always like, hey, I understand. I get it. What can I how can I help you today or what is it that you need or what is it that you need understanding in or or what is it specifically, you know, that. I can do, um, it's always outside of the four walls, right, yeah. of the church. And, um, but, I mean, what would you say, uh, Mike, what would you say is the mission of the church in America today, given the understanding of where we are as a nation in regards to relationships. Oh, right. Well, uh, you know, there's, there's a difference between what it really should be and what it actually is, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, so, um, you know, my experience is that far too many church leaders really are making kind of this deal with their people, with their congregation. Mm-hmm. And the deal is, 
you know, you give us some money so we can kind of keep the lights on and we'll give you some fun programs to do. Uh, in exchange, we won't, we won't ask much of you, hmm. you know, and together we'll say we're doing everything that God wants us to be doing. Um, clearly, that's, that's incorrect. And meanwhile, I right? think. <laughs> but I think, you know, largely, again, it is, it is the unusual church that is really sort of faithful to Scripture and what they ought to be doing, I think. So, I mean, the reason that so many churches have 80% of their budget going to salary and their facility is that, uh, you know, it enables them to continue to have a job. <laughs> really that, that and that's well that's where when i when i when i think about the term professional christianity because we were talking about this on the phone yeah. that um i get it you know what i mean i understand there's a need you know for for pastors and and ministry staff to be focused on performing the 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 ministry, the theological ministry, right? That's I right. get, I totally get yeah, that. There's the, value there. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. The, the teaching, the doctrine, right? Mm-hmm. But I wonder if, if what we've done with, with the church has placed such a high emphasis on the academics of Christianity mm. and not placed a greater emphasis on the, the, the tangible, compassionate, loving, patient, and kind needs that our culture has today, because our think about it, our our culture has got a lot of biblical issues when it comes to what is the template of a great, wonderful, you know, perfect Christian, right? Yeah. And I think what people who are in the transition or journey of their sanctification get caught up in is this you know, level of resistance from the church that is based more on, on academic behavioral modification versus, you know, where are you at now? And how can I love you now? How can, and I, and I, and I just, uh, I feel strongly about that because I've, you know, personally in my own life, I've seen friends, close friends, literally get shunned and, and, and condemned mm. because of the compassion and the love that they have for um, a child that has said, hey, you know what? I'm gay. Mm. And to be able to have uh, the pushback from you know, church members who say, well, you know, you really ought to not be supporting your child so much. You really ought to be doing this, or you should be uh, condemning that, or and it's just Speaking like, well, wait a program or something, or, right? Yeah. What's what are you doing instead of you're just supporting? And it's like, you know, that approach um, is academic in my in my mind, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the compassion of that is, you know, translates into people who are trying to navigate life. Yeah. And whether they're they're addicted to something like, you know, whether it's pornography or their or their, you know, whatever the sexual aberration is in their life um, or whatever types of, you know, behavioral habits that they haven't repented from. And I say repent because there's a there's a the, the, my understanding. And you guys are, help me understand this <laughs> when I when I think about the repentance that's required for salvation the understanding that I have 
is that Jesus was calling out the repentance of our view of who he is. And if you repent of your unbelief, that that is the repentance that leads to salvation. And then as you're going through the journey, your your behavioral modification, your sanctification is a developing ongoing process and you're going to have setbacks. So the idea that um, if someone is, is saved and they just haven't got it all together yet, and then the church kind of comes against their process, that's, I think, is, is, is what's hindered the church at large with connecting with people of our, our you know, this particular cultural climate um, in their various stages of where they're at. And I'm talking about when you're already a, a person who's repented of your unbelief in Jesus. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about people who are not in that camp yet. Right. Um, but that, that is, I think, when, when we look at the church and we look at social media and we look at the, the, the discourse that goes on that may not be that cordial at times and the claws come out, like you said. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of people who are f- focusing such an emphasis on the left and what the left is saying, you know, and what they're accepting and all that. And then those who are conservative and those who are on the right or those who are part of the evangelical church can't seem to get past those behavioral things and kind of see, well, can I meet you where you're at? If I say something that might be compassionate Mm -hmm. because I really care, Mm I, you know, the, there, there is the, the perception of somebody that's on the another side of me politically or socially, right, that automatically shuts me out. Yeah. And, and there's plenty of conservatives who do the same on the other side. If you're, if you're a you know, more liberal-leaning person socially, politically, you know, um, and you say something, there, there is a large majority, I would say, of conservatives in social media who just say, Ah, shut up, you know, mm. and, it, and that works both ways. So, so they get nowhere. They've, they've already nullified uh, that person in their life and anything that they might have a value to say on both sides. So they get nowhere. Those two people are done talking. I mean, it doesn't even matter what the thread looks like from there where I see so many people, because I read threads, right? So many people are like, well, don't, so-and-so, don't you think that if you said it this way, maybe it would be a little different? They, they're not down there. They're not in the thread reading that, they've already closed the argument on both sides. So, so you know, that's a, that's a huge concern for me. And it does make me wonder, and one of the reasons, again, for this is, how do I, as, you know, Mr. Conservative Suburban White Guy, who is compassionate towards people because Jesus loves me, mm-hmm. right. have an impact on people who won't listen to me? And then how do you, Jason, you know, definitely more liberal-leaning guy, but you love Jesus. There was a time, and there, there, was, a, there was a period of my life where, I mean, I was Southern Baptist, conservative dude, yeah, and and it was a theological upbringing yeah. that was very academic, and and I praise God for that. I have mm. I have no problem with the theological undergirdings of of my Christian experience, right? Yeah, yeah. But I think one one of the things like that I've discovered, and especially on social media, is there's always room 
for love. You have you 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 are spot on when you're saying, you know what? I'm just trying to figure this out. I know the Lord loves me. I want to be able to share love with other people, but I do have some very specific um, uh, understandings of where the boundaries are. Mm-hmm. I get that, mm-hmm. and and I think that. The, when we meet people as believers, I think we have to always continue to put, put love and compassion first ahead of trying to be a winner yeah. or, or, or being right. right. Mm. And that's, I think, when it gets to academia um, in, 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 in a theology, you know, math is math, right? Yep. One plus one will always be two. And I think in theological terms, you know, we are taught in our theological constructs here in, in Western America, right? That A plus B is C. That's just the way it is, right? But when you look at an Eastern mindset, well, A plus B might be C as long as E and D are this, you know, like there's a different approach to the linear mindset. And Jesus is not Western. Jesus has never been Western. Jesus was was always an individual that you when you study him and you look at him and you look at the love and the compassion, he's like, you know what? Um, I know about your many husbands, right? (laughs) Um, but go and sin no, no more. You know what I mean? It's like, it's almost, it's not like he's, he's contradicting himself, but he's also, he's always saying, I know where you're at, but here's room to learn to grow and to understand what I'm trying to teach. I think the important middle point to that is, I know you've had many husbands. Now you know me. Mm-hmm. Now go sin no more. You know? Right, there's an and, intersection. Now, now you know me. I've told my kids... Every kid I've ever coached, all my kids, that I have plenty of kids of my own, right? Um, <laughs> when you walk down the street, if you, if you see a piece of paper on the sidewalk and you walk past it, you're just as responsible for that trash now as the person who put it there. Sure. You saw it. You didn't do anything about it. Right. I'm guilty, right? But I'm responsible now too. Mm-hmm. And when I'm at the church and I see, man, we got an eight by eight pantry, but we got a 35,000 square foot facility. It, where am I saying, hey, Hey guys, I want to do something about this. Yeah, we need to like, change this. Yeah, yeah. But this, this isn't right. <laughs> I feel like more and more, if we are compassionate and we can cut through the muck of everything that's going on in our culture and recognize that there are real issues, they all need to be addressed, we all need to talk about them. But if you, not you, <laughs> but if, if this person shuts me out because of what they see mm-hmm. and I shut that person out because of what I see or perceive, mm-hmm. We've already gotten nowhere, and now we're leaving the trash on the ground. So how can we say, hey, wait a second, you know what? I know we don't see things eye to eye on everything, but there is this one common thread that we have. And that requires, right. that requires patience. Yeah. And amen to that. That's right. I don't always have patience, mm-hmm. but I've learned in doing this, once I started this idea of this program, right? Like, I'm not lashing out on social media. Mm. I'm even right. careful on the things that I like, which that, I think, is tragic, Right. Because some things I like, I want to like them. But, <laughs> sure. but you, you sit there and think, well, you know, I want to make sure that I'm not closing off an opportunity to share Christ. That's right. Or even this, this might be interesting, right? Like, if it, why do I have this conservative value or mindset? 
if I want to share that, I want to be able to share responsibly and not have someone go, I'm not listening to you. You know, right. or if you have something really valuable to say that's more liberal leaning, if I close you off, you you might have something that changes the way I perceive something mm-hmm. or might help. This is the thing with politics, and I've talked about it on the show before. Man, why can't we lock arms together? Yeah, we man, we we don't agree on everything, that's for sure. But you know what? We do agree on this. I've used this example before. If a conservative person sees one way to help the underserved, oppressed, you know, uh, hungry, poor, sick, a, a more liberal-leaning person sees one way to do it. I feel like the liberal-leaning side feels like government's a really good way to do that, and I'm not saying it's not. The conservative side says it's a private party kind of thing, you know, let the churches and the individuals get involved in doing that, and I like that too. But you know what you both see? Somebody that needs help. Yeah. So why don't we lock arms and figure out how to combine those two ideas That's a good idea. and help the person who needs help. Yeah. Because six months from now, if we keep fighting about it, they still need help. That's right. The thing I'm finding is I'm, be, I'm becoming way more careful about what I share as well. Yeah. Mainly because of just the divisiveness that we have in our country now as it relates to politics. Because eventually I want to be able to Right, be salt and light yeah. to them. Jesus first. Right, Jesus yeah. comes first. And <laughs> totally. so if it, if it is Jesus and the opportunity to share someday with them or say something positive about President Trump or something he's done, if that shuts that down, well, I'm going to probably shut down a lot of those comments. Totally. You know? so, the same thing just happened which, to Jason. Which is know? unfortunate, yeah. but it is kind of the, where we're at, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. I saw you post something positive about Kamala Harris. And man, I was- Oh, I, was, I can't imagine, they probably I, were. I was so offended for you, mm-hmm. like because a person who's supposed to represent the conservative side was rude and vile, out of the chute. The, fir- the first comment, I, it was Marxist. And I thought, how, how could, I mean, where are you getting with this? Where are we going? I wanna recognize that it's always gotta be Jesus first if we're followers right. of Christ. That's right. It always has to be him first. Because, you know, I don't care who's conservative or liberal or what they think. There's no question to me that the things that we're seeing in the world right now, mm-hmm. man, if ever, if ever anyone wanted to say Jesus could come back like now, like, <laughs> like I, man, it could be now. It, it could really be now. Like things in the world, and, and we're not able to handle, these are, these are minor in proportion oh, to what's coming. Yeah. Right. This world Amen. is in turmoil and we can't even stomach this little bit. Think about what's coming as we get closer and closer. Do you think that the times that we're in now, do you think the Lord is giving us opportunity to really see who we are in him above all things? Because if we don't know who we are in him, how are we going to be who he wants us to be to others? Mm. I mean, I'm, I'm asking the question because I, yeah. I asked it to everyone. Where we are at as believers, I don't think we can have an impact on the world, whether it's lost or whether it's through the process of sanctification. I don't personally, I don't think we can have impact if we're kind of confused about where we're at with the Lord and what do we really, what does it really mean to be a follower of Jesus? And if we think that, that being a follower of Jesus fits these bullet points and one of those bullet points don't involve compassion, love, um, patience, mm-hmm. uh, um, 
the, the, the kindness aspects of the person who doesn't think like you, if, it, if that's not one of those bullet points, how, how in the world can we have an impact on this world? I just wrote a book about that. So I wrote a book on the six marks of a disciple of Jesus. Because uh, I think that's really kind of primary, right? We'd have to f- kind of figure that out first. Uh, and one of those marks actually is, uh, you know, having a love for others. Uh, clearly, within the church, I mean, Jesus says clearly, if you do not love one another, you cannot be my disciple. And so he, he, he doesn't mince words. Yeah. But I think there is even a larger sort of love for humanity Mm-hmm. that a disciple of Jesus has. Who's the so, neighbor, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Who is your neighbor? That, that's good. Uh, yeah, you talk about the, you know, the greatest commandment, right? Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, if you do nothing else, do that, mm-hmm. right? So, so yeah, I would, I would agree with you that that's, that's sort of primary, that yeah. we do need to sort of figure that out first. What, what does it mean to be a disciple? Yeah. And and to the question of whether or not do I think that God is proofing us? Yeah, I think that we're being proofed, refined. And and somewhere in that um, we we're seeing that we miss it even more Hmm. than maybe we thought we could. That's growth. That's growth. And I I do think um, I do think that the time is uh, very telling uh, to all of humanity. And as a follower of Christ, our lack of compassion towards humanity um, is 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 kind of boiling over, you mm. know. And um, I, I, you know, I always go back to th- this discussion of James saying faith without works is dead, right? Mm-hmm. And I and I'm guilty. Um, I, I feel like I have to say that all the time, right? Like <laughs> I'm I'm guilty of knowing that what that statement means is. Jesus has given me so much love and has loved me so greatly, more than I can fathom, that as a result of that love for me, the compassion towards others is supposed to overflow and result in works. So my works are a result of Jesus' love for me, which should transcend into love for other people. Hmm. And I think that as we see more and more of this proofing individually mm-hmm. we're choosing to either recognize that now is a time when we are being called as the larger church the, to man get get out there and start loving people and sharing jesus mm-hmm. because it it literally could be tomorrow it might be a thousand years i don't know mm-hmm. but it could be tomorrow with intention and, to get out there with be intentional about absolutely, it. absolutely absolutely mm-hmm. And, um, you know, yeah, I, I think if I look back over history and have so many pastors over so many years said, you know, the time is near and we don't know God's timeline and we don't know what near looks like to him versus what near looks like to us. But good Lord, man, the time has got to be near. Right. I mean, like and if it's not, if it's not, then I think my job is to act like it is. Yeah. No. Amen. To that. I appreciate that because. Even personally, you know, when I when I look at and I evaluate myself, I think what humbles me is when I see the left leaning people on in, in my you know Facebook world, yeah. um, and I see the people who are are literally struggling with their gender identity or their sexual identity, all that. To me, it's like you know, obviously the answer is 
Do you love yourself? And why, if you don't, why not? Because God, the love that he has, you know, is so ridiculously enormous. How could you not love yourself if you knew how much God loves you? Mm. Just the way you right. are, even in your turmoil. Right, kind of our identity in Christ. You, yeah. In the midst of your, in the depths of your depravity, in the depths of your sin, as dirty as you are, mm. God couldn't love you any less. That's right. So understand that. And then th that's the love. I think, what is it? He, you, like you said, you'll, you'll know that you're my disciple. They will know that you're my disciples by the love you have for one another. That's right. Do Christians even love each other oh, on, yeah. on, a big, on a grander scale? Do we really love each other? Oh, right. I really, there's two areas that I sort of have studied in that. One being, you know, uh, you, you, you go online and you look at, you do a Google search of um, what seminaries are actually teaching people that are, they're training to become American pastors. Mm. Rarely will you have someone say, yeah, the seminary did a good job of that. I mean, again, it's the Greek and Hebrew mm -hmm. and the academics of preaching a good sermon and they get into their first job and mm -hmm. they're going, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of need it. I need that. That's, sure. a, that's not a bad thing to have, but it's also, <laughs> you know, again, now I've got this community. I'm trying to deal with the needs. And, you know, the, the second area is, you know, the for... 12 years or so, you know, when we were doing these projects in China, mm -hmm. you go and you spend time in rural China and, you know, you've got these pastors and these churches that, I mean, these, these communities have nothing. Mm -hmm. I mean, just, I mean, just, you know, <laughs> economically, mm -hmm. but man, these churches, the pastors of which have had almost no training really outside of, you know, they read the Bible. Mm -hmm. They read the Bible four times a year. I mean, they know, they know the word. Yep. And then they just follow it. They've got no real training. Now they probably, in fact, we sent teams to, to, to do some training. They probably do need a little bit of training, but, but man, they're just on fire. And they're growing like crazy. Oh, they're growing huh? like crazy. Mm -hmm. And I actually think there are probably some stuff we could learn from them. 100%. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, they're actually doing it right. And there's not all of the politics and the church and all this stuff going on and you know, uh, really only because they only have Jesus. They, they, they can't rely on yeah. the 35,000 square foot building and all this stuff. And yeah. if that's working in China mm -hmm. and those pastors that have this much um, Westernized theological yeah, seminary any, any training, kind of se seminary mm -hmm. training, yeah. And their congregation training. is exploding. Mm -hmm. And then you have the greatest access to theological training and resources. Anywhere in resources yeah, here in America and the church is shrinking. Definitely. Oh, there's a ton there for sure. Well, that's not hard to do the math on. Right? Yeah. That's <laughs> and, right. And I found too, and, I, and, and, and Kenny, uh, you actually have helped me to this morning because um, I, I was starting to go down a trail of unfollowing and or defriending and, you know, just getting people out of my news feed yeah. that, that uh, I feel like are toxic. Christians, and I feel like that it's a temptation to kind of say, you know what, just write people off, right? And I don't want to do that. Yeah. But I think that what, what, I've, what I've found, and you've helped me with this, is I'm going to continue to do what I do. I'm going to continue to challenge evangelicals on the stuff that they say. Words do matter. Mm -hmm. I'm guilty they of... They totally do. 
Yeah. Well, and I'm not always the most correct person in my discourse. I, I don't have patience all the time. I get upset. I, I like to call people out. Mm-hmm. But I, for some reason, I don't know why it is, but for, for maybe because I'm becoming more liberal, if it's a thing, whatever. <laughs> you know, if, if I'm starting to lead more towards uh, uh, a liberal mindset, um, I feel like I have been blessed by so many teachers have poured into me and have loved me yeah. and have been patient with me and have given me a model of, yes, this is the word of God. It's, it's immutable. But man, I, there was a time when the Bible answer man and John MacArthur were my heroes. Mm. There was a time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that that bent put me so far out of the realm of understanding and love and put me in the realm of winning. But if you're, if you're under that Definitely. discipleship, right? And I'm talking about the Bible answer man and John MacArthur as your heroes, right? And John Piper. And you're just like, what? and then all of a sudden, you're, you're, all you're thinking about is, how do I win you for Christ? And you're just thinking about, I got to get, man, I got I to get to point A, then then put point B, because I'll tell you what, if Jesus only spent, you know, his, his three years of ministry in that much of the world, I kind of understand that, uh, you know, I don't have to be all things to all people everywhere. And that's why Jesus, you know, he's like, you know what, everybody's got a little something to contribute. And you've got your own little place of the world. Here's where I want you to go. I want you to go here. I want you to say this. I poured this into you. Here's your history. Here's your mess. Now here's your ministry. Right? And you have all these different avenues. Why do, why do we as Christians feel like if you don't check off this box and this box and this box in my evangelical discord, um, that I've, I'm a failure somehow, or I'm not, oh, I'm not right. faithful, or I've, you know. Yeah. I feel like we're all guilty of walking over trash. I feel like we're all guilty of not recognizing that the time could be now for Christ's return. And our compassion towards all of humanity has to shine above and beyond our political bents, our social feelings. We do have issues to address in our country and globally, but the number one issue that we have to keep at the forefront of everything we do is that Jesus loves us and wants us to love others so that they will know him and be saved. And that's our mission. Thanks for joining us on this program. 